Well, I have strict instructions on where to start tonight. So that's where I'll start. We're talking about a spirit-led life on Wednesday nights right now because we want to be spirit-led. Right? Luke 4, 18 says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> it all starts with the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Right. And the Spirit of the Lord is upon me tonight. And um, one of the things that God wanted me to remind you of this week as I was, you know, just listening, just listening. God has no limits. He's, he's a limitless God. There's not, nothing too difficult for him. There's, there's not a place he can't go. Right? He's a limitless God. And um, I was thinking about it. I think when, when Eric or somebody, maybe it was pastor, talking about um, Paul and Silas being in prison and chained. And I was thinking about that and the Lord just started ministering to me. You know, when you're chained, you can only go so far. You know? And Jesus wants to break every chain. So you can just keep on going. So those times where you felt that you could only go so far and then you couldn't ever get further, that means there's a yoke or a chain there. And the anointing comes to break every yoke. So the anointing is going to be in the house tonight to break every yoke of your past. Everything that you're dealing with that you can't seem to have gotten free tonight, the anointing is in the house to deal with that. You know, the anointed one, right, was the word, Jesus. The Bible says he calls him the living word. And the Bible also tells us the word is still alive and powerful. So as the word goes forth tonight, I'm just believing that it's going to break yokes off of people's lives so that 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 stopping point where you seem to get every time that's broken tonight amen amen after the cross and the resurrection speaking of spirit-filled life spirit-led life you know after the cross and resurrection there was only one thing left that we needed right and that was the holy spirit jesus told his disciples going to jerusalem wait and he didn't send 10 things he sent one because that was all we were going to need. Right? That's it. So that's good news in that there's nothing else. Shocker. Did it spoil it? Spoiler. There's nothing else. The Holy Spirit is all you need. You have everything you need for a victorious life. Acts eight tells us, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Power. Isn't that what we need? Yeah. In the day we're living in. We want a spirit-led life because I don't know about you, but I want power. Not just for me, but for people I come in contact with on a daily basis, weekly basis. People that are struggling. We've got to have the Holy Spirit. So you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon us. And then 1 Corinthians 4.20 tells us the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. It's not about what you talk about, right? That's not when the kingdom is shown. It's when it's demonstrated. That's power, Right? You're going to see the kingdom in power. The message translation says it like this in 1 Corinthians 4.20. God's way is not a matter of mere talk. It's not just talk. It's not just what we talk about, although what we talk about is important. But it's not a matter of mere talk. It's an empowered life. 
It's an empowered life. This life we're living in the spirit brings power. Brings power. So, let me tell you what it's going to take. I like to start on this part. I'll tell you one thing. The spirit is not selfish. The spirit is never selfish. Turn with me to Galatians 5. So you're not going to live a spirit-led life if you're selfish. Galatians 5, verse 16. Let's read verse 16 and 17. I say then, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. So if we keep listening to and obeying our flesh, we won't have a spirit-led life. Did you get that out of that verse? We will not have a spirit-led life. Because they war against one another. They're contrary to each other. So if you're going around only doing what feels good, you are not being led by the Spirit. You are not living a Spirit-led life. Which means, if you're wondering why there's no power, that's why. That's why. So, let me read this to you. So, I wrote this in my notes. If I keep choosing me, pleasing me, if I keep choosing self-indulgence, then I'm not going to live a Spirit-led life. If I keep trying to please me, because that's not what the spirit-led life is all about. Although, I'm going to be well-pleased <laughs> living the spirit-led life. And that's what we have to get to the revelation of, right? So in the message translation of Galatians 5, 16 and 17, this is how it says it. Live freely. How many of you want to live free? I want to live free from yoke, bondage, sickness, all that stuff. Lack. Live freely. Just do it. Paul says, just live freely. (laughs) I love that. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with a free spirit. Which is so opposite of what people think. Because people think, if I can just do all the things that will make me happy, I'll be free and I'll be happy. But the more you indulge yourself, the less free you are. For there is a root of sinful self-interest in us that is at odds with the free spirit. Just as the free spirit is incompatible with selfishness. If you want a free spirit, it's incompatible with selfishness. You are not going to be free. Your spirit will not be free. You won't flow in the spirit if you're being selfish. They're incompatible. These two ways of life are antithetical so that you cannot live at times one way and at times another way, according to how you feel on any given day. Whoa, throw that in your face. (laughs) I didn't say it. Paul said it (laughs) in the message version. All right. So we can't live how we feel on any given day. Guys, we're talking about a spirit led life. You were all excited when I was talking about power. Now I'm telling you what it's going to take. We can't be selfish, right? We can't be self-indulgent. We can't. The message version goes on in verses 19 through 21 to say this. I love the message version. It's obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness. Trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, 
a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits. Small-minded pursuits. Selah. When you're selfish, it's a small-minded pursuit. You do not. I remember, um, remember when Peter said to Jesus, no, Jesus, we're not going to let them do this. No, far be it from you that this will happen to you. And Jesus said, you are not mindful of the things of God, but of man, right? Because that's small-minded. We got to see God's end game, not what we want. Small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. And to that I say, was that not enough? <laughs> right? Oh my goodness. So those are all in, in your New King James, you're, you're going to see it as works of the flesh. Those are all the works. Of, that's what the flesh looks like. Even though we don't want to call it that, that's what we're doing when we're obeying our flesh. But verse 22 says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So this is what walking in the spirit produces. How do I measure if I'm being, if I'm living a spirit led life, am I producing kindness, gentleness, patience, peace, joy, love is that's what's being produced, developed from it. And then verse 24 says an important line. And those who are Christ's have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So I would say you're not Christ's until you've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do you understand? I don't belong to him if I'm still obeying another master. To be Christ, I have to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. He has to be my only big boss. Right? That doesn't mean nobody else. I mean, you know, you've got a boss at work. You have a spouse. You have all those people in your life too. But he's got to be number one. Not you. And not anybody else. You know, over and over again, Eric and I have talked about in the past few weeks, you've, you've got to not care what other people think. You got to please God. You got to live to please God. And it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. That's the whole point. Please God. Nobody else matters. Because in pleasing God, you will please others. The ones that matter. Love God, love others. That's the whole, all of it's wrapped up in that. So in loving God, you will automatically love others because you will love who he loves. Because you'll have the heart of God. So those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions, desires. Seems to me like Wednesday nights catching back up to Sunday mornings. Get to the altar. Put yourself on the altar. Right? The spirit-led life will not happen without the altar. It will not. It will not. We have to lay down our lives. We have to, you know what? We all know what the fruits of the spirit are. If you've been in church any, if you were in children's church, you can probably say them memorized, right? But are they your purpose determination to develop them? They have to be if you're going to walk a spirit-led life. They have to be. Because the spirit leading you will produce those things. If you're not getting better at those things, you're not getting better at 
living in the spirit. I'm not getting better. Talking to myself. Talking from experience. Right? Every act of obedience takes putting your flesh down. Every act of obedience. Nobody just likes to just do what they're told by carnal nature. Nobody likes that, right, Susan? Stubborn, obstinate. That's carnal. That's our carnal nature, right? We don't like being told what to do. Like somebody on the worship team will say, everybody raise your hands. And you're like, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) I mean, it's carnal nature not to be told what to do. Every act of obedience takes putting your flesh down. I mean, and you actually have to do it. We can't just as a church keep talking about what the Bible says. Remember, the kingdom is not in mere talk. It's about an empowered life. When we got the Holy Spirit, we got all the power we needed to live this. To do everything Jesus ever said. You're not lacking any ability to do it. But you might be lacking obedience. A willing heart. A willingness to do it. That'll be the only thing that you're lacking. It takes laying your life down. Let me give you some scriptures of what. You guys, this isn't an easy day. You've heard me say this before. It's not an easy day we're living in. They don't make it easy for us. They don't make it easy for you. They don't make it easy for you to walk in love. They're not all sunshine and roses out there. Right? It's a test of your love walk every day. That's why we have to be determined to do this. Because guys, if we are not determined to do this, you won't. And then God can't do what he wants to do. We want him to do marvels, wonders, and miracles. But he needs a man willing to obey. Do you think it was easy for Moses to go before Pharaoh? To stand in that court? Do you think he had any better guarantee that God was going to do something than you do? No. No. So we, we've got to just do it. Here is um, some messages from the Apostle Paul from the message version. Um, in First Thessalonians it says, We had just been given rough treatment in Philippi. How many can relate? Ever been roughly treated? Even as a Christian? Yeah. We had just been given rough treatment in Philippi, but that didn't slow us down. We went ahead and preached God's message to you defiant of the opposition. Come on, can I get a witness? Come on, this is who we are. We had just been given rough treatment in Philippi, but that didn't slow us down. We went ahead and preached God's message to you, defiant of the opposition. Because this is what we do. This is what we do. It's what we do. First Thessalonians 3, 1 through 5, says, Paul says, To establish and encourage you in concerning your faith that no one should be shaken by these afflictions. No one should be shaken by these afflictions. For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation. For this reason, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. It's like pastor sending someone to your workplace to see how you're really doing. In case the tempter had tempted you not to act like how we're supposed to act, right? He just had to know how you were doing because he cares, right? Paul cared. First Thessalonians 4, we ask you, urge is more like it. That you keep on doing what we told you to do to please God. Keep on doing it. Keep moving forward. Don't let them change who you are. Keep doing it. And First Thessalonians 5 says, be cheerful no matter what. 
Let me see your smiles. Teeth, everyone. (laughs) Be cheerful no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what the news says. We got good lives. We got good futures, good eternities. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Be cheerful no matter what. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. Thank God no matter what happens. He's still God. He's still on the throne. We're still going to heaven. Jesus was still crucified and rose again. Right? Doesn't change anything. This is the way God wants you who belong to Christ Jesus to live. How are we supposed to live? Be cheerful all the time. Pray all the time. Thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you to belong to Christ. You who belong to Christ Jesus to live. So it comes down to doing it. Just choosing to do it. That's it. In the face of it all, you choose to be led by the spirit. You choose to act like Jesus, right? You choose your behavior. You choose your conduct, your conversation. You choose. We choose. We choose that. I think this phrase is funny when I hear people say it. I know now none of you will say it to me ever again. But when people say, let me pray about it. I just think sometimes it's a popular saying to make you sound really spiritual. Let me, let me pray about it. If pastor comes to us with a need and we can help with it, just do it. Should you not be a blessing? Do you need to pray about being a blessing? Just wondering. Here's God's word on it. Honor your leaders. Pastor doesn't lightly ask people to do stuff. At least not that I have ever seen. If he comes and asks someone to do it, he probably has prayed. He didn't just say, oh, who should preach on Wednesday? Oh, Nikki, you do it. You know? I think he prays about it. He decides who should do what. He approaches them. So by you saying, let me pray about it, what you're really saying is you obviously didn't. So now you're more spiritual than pastor? Paul said it like this. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. So if anyone's asking you to do anything, or if pastor stands up here and asks you, tells you of a lack or a need we have in this ministry, and you get to fill it, and you come and you say, I'd like to do that, and he says, you're on. You were just counted faithful. And Jesus just put you in the ministry. Not just pastor. You answer to Jesus ultimately. Not pastor. Children's workers, youth workers, helps ministers. We're answering to Jesus. We're not just answering to pastor. Don't tell pastor you'll pray about it. Be honest. Tell him you have to deal with your flesh about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, did she just say that, Vic? Did you hear that? (laughs) Because let's just go there, people, right? Let's be honest. That's what we're really saying when we're saying, let me pray about it, is, oh, I wasn't willing to go that far, Pastor. Be that dedicated or that committed. I need to pray about it. You're right. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. And the only other option I think you would be willing to pray that you'd have to say, I got to pray about it, is, oh, God, please, please don't, don't. I don't want to do this, Lord. Please change your mind. Change your mind, Lord Jesus. That might be the other prayer you're praying. I don't know. But that, seriously. All of us need a gut check. 
on where we're serving, why we're serving, why we're not serving. That's just spirit-led life. If you're going to volunteer to serve anywhere in this church, then believe you're going to be spirit-led. You know what that means? That means empowered to do it. You're not going to do it in your own ability. God doesn't even want you to do it in your own ability. He wants you to experience his power when you're greeting. He wants you to experience his power in the nursery. I mean, we're not in there just to open doors and change diapers. We're in there to minister to lives, to touch people whom he loves. The precious fruit of the earth is what he calls it. So that's what it's going to take. So what's it going to be like? My experience in being spirit-led is it doesn't come in a big booming voice. You're not going to have a huge Hollywood moment. You're going to hear a still small voice. You're going to hear, you're going to feel an unction, an urge to do something, to say something. That's what it's going to be like. A lot of times you're going to hear a voice in your spirit or words coming up out of your heart to tell someone to say something. It's not going to be not you. It's going to be you. The Holy Spirit's in there. And the, be- the more and more we spend time with the Holy Spirit and pray t- take time praying in tongues, the more natural it's going to become. You're not going to be able to differentiate between a God moment sometimes. It's just going to fall out of who you are because it's a spirit-led lifestyle. It's, it's not going to be a big moment. I remember being in Russia at, and speaking at a women's conference. And as I'm speaking, I'm doing this. Just like I'm doing now, but right in the middle of the message, he gives, I get it, how do I put it in my notes? I'm speaking and then I use an example that occurred to me while I'm speaking. It just occurred to me while I'm speaking. So I give them the example of what I'm talking about. After service, a woman came straight up, straight up to me and told me through the interpreter that the example I used that was not in my notes And I didn't think anything about it. I didn't feel anything about it. It was just an example that occurred to me while I was speaking was the exact situation that she was in and confirmed to her what she was supposed to do. That's spirit-led. That's just spirit-led. I didn't have, there was no flashing lights, no angel whispered in my ear. It just occurred to me to tell them the example. No bells went off to alert me that it was God. It was just me giving the example. It was just me giving what I was given. Freely give. You freely receive, freely give, the Bible says. God is so good. And you know what else about that situation was she was sitting there willing to hear it. Because you can sit in here and me talk about your exact situation. And if you're not willing to hear it, you won't receive anything I have to say. Because you're fighting for your way. That's the, that's the, so the, the destructiveness of selfishness is when you think you know what you want, but you can't see the end from the beginning. God can see the end from the beginning. He knows exactly where that's going to lead, not just in this situation, but five years down the road. So often people want to hear from God, but he may have already spoken to them at church through pastor. You know, Jesus told his disciples, his ministers, that he was sending out, he said, he who receives you, receives me. 
he who doesn't receive you doesn't receive me. So if we don't receive pastor as a man of God, if we don't receive him as a servant of God, if we don't receive him, we don't receive Jesus. So we're, we may be aching and, and, and praying and in our prayer closet eight hours a day waiting to hear from God, but God's speaking at church. And he already is telling you what to do, but that's not how you wanted to hear it. I mean, we've all been there, haven't we? Yeah. We can all shake our heads. When you're simply where God told you to be, doing what God told you to do, you can simply flow in the spirit. And that was a situation for me in Russia. I was where God told me to be, doing what he told me to be. I didn't want to be doing that. That was the first time. My first women's conference was in Russia. That was a little intimidating. You know what I'm saying? So, but I was willing and then obedient. And because of that, I was where God wanted me to be, doing what he had me to do. And it met a woman in Russia. A little American girl went to Russia to speak to her about her life. That's the kind of stuff God does. Doesn't that just bring tears to your eyes? Gosh. It's not a game show Hollywood moment that we're waiting for. God doesn't, he's not, it's not that, that's not what it's going to be like. It's a tending to your father-in-law's sheep, then seeing something and turning aside to see it. And then God speaks to you. That was Moses' story. He was tending to his father-in-law's sheep. He saw something and he just turned to look at it. And God spoke. He was just doing what he was supposed to be doing, when he was supposed to be doing it, the way he was supposed to be doing it, and God showed up. Some other situations, I've been just talking with people, just standing with someone in a church foyer, just talking. And I would say something to them, we would be talking about something they were dealing with at work, and we would just talk about it. And then weeks later, that person would come to me and say that what I said, and I couldn't even remember what I said. That what I said was exactly it, and it solved their situation when they heeded what I said. And I was just speaking out of my spirit in the foyer. It wasn't any, I never noticed it. It wasn't fire shooting out of my mouth. (laughs) It was just conversation. Knowing what the Bible says, ministering as you hear it, saying what you hear. Not out of selfishness, not out of emotion. You know, you've got to be really careful about emotion, ministering out of emotion, talking to people out of emotion. Because if you're going to give them advice, it better be spirit-led. Because you're a servant of the Most High God, and you represent him. And a lot of times, they know who we are. They know we're churchgoers. They know we serve God. So they're expecting that from us, not our flippant conversation. At other times, I've gotten direction to say something from God, and I've debated with him about it. Well, God, no, 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 I'm not, no, I'm not saying that. No, that is, Lord, that is, no. They are not going to receive that. Why would you ask me to say that? doesn't matter. It doesn't change his mind. You might as well stop fighting right now. He's not going to speak to you again until you say it. That's been my experience. It's not going to give me a different way. God knows best. You remember that show, Father Knows Best? Yeah, well, the Father knows best. 
He knows what they can receive no matter what you think. You may think that's too harsh, Lord. No, not if he told you to say it. If he told you to say it, it's exactly the right word. Because guess what? The truth will set them free. Speaking the truth in love is what the Bible says. And he knows exactly what they need to hear and how they need to hear it. One time I was talking to someone and, oh man, I just felt like this encouraging thing to tell this person, this, this encouraging thing about them. It just came out of me. And I just thought it just slipped out. You know, I mean, I, it just got big in me and it just came out. And right after I said it, it was like I felt it go like an arrow out of my mouth. And I, it was almost like in the spirit I saw it hit its target and do its work to encourage them. The Bible says the gifts of the Spirit are for strengthening the church, for edifying, for encouraging, for the profit of everyone. And when you, when, when you encourage anyone in this room, what you've done is encourage the whole church because we're all connected. So anytime it's for one, it helps the all, it profits the all. So the gifts of the Spirit just operate that way. It's not a big moment. It's, we're not, it's not, um, you know, healings and miracles are great. You know, but sometimes those don't happen like you didn't even know it was going to happen. I mean, there was time, I'm, I've told you this story. I was in uh, Ukraine with Eric and we're doing a youth thing. And this girl has um, got a friend who's in the hospital. They don't know what's wrong with her. I mean, it's really serious. And Eric, and I'm like standing to the side watching. And Eric's like, Nikki, come pray. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't want to pray. Just pray. And he said, come on, come on. I was like, walk over, you know. And I lay my hands on her and I just said, Lord, you know, thank you that you love, you love her friend. You know, I'm laying hands on her for her friend who's in the hospital. And all of a sudden, the power of God hit me. The love of God just fell all over me. I got so mad at the devil that would touch this girl. And I just started praying for her and I could feel the love of God just override me. I don't even, can't even tell you what I prayed, what I said, what I did. Eric said, told me afterwards something I did. And I was like, I did not. And he's like, yes, you did. And I was like, I didn't remember any of it. Sometimes you don't even know you're going to operate in a gift until it's operating. So it's, it's not, this is how it's going to work, but it takes being willing (laughs) and obedient. It takes putting your flesh down and doing what God wants you to do. Husbands and wives. Somebody's got to do the word. Somebody's got to do the word. That means when you're arguing, somebody's got to do the word. One of you's got to do the word, which means love. Put your selfish, self-indulgence aside and do the word. That's the only way marriages are going to make it. Is somebody's got to do the word. And you know, you may feel like, well, I'm the one that's always doing the word. So what? You have a reward in heaven. Right? More than your spouse. So there. No, I'm just kidding. 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 Just, that should not be your motivation. But seriously. You guys, it's about pleasing the Father. It's not about pleasing ourselves. It's not about pleasing others. It's about pleasing the Father. 
because we want power in our marriages. We want power in our homes. We don't want the enemy coming in and just doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, because we were emotional or tired or stubborn or... We can't keep using these excuses. Not that we do, but I'm just, you know, just saying, just saying. So we can't argue and debate about what God asks us to do because you won't win anyway. So you might as well just go ahead and obey. You know, when he quickens you to stop it, stop it. You know, we all know what we should do. It's not like we've been in church any length of time and not heard the greatest commandment is to love. We've not been in church and not heard forgive. But then you actually have to do it. That forgiving is one of the greatest strategies to breaking yokes. It's forgiveness. Breaking addictions, forgiveness. It's about love. It's about love. And you know what? If you're listening to God, he'll, he'll minister to you what you need to hear. There's not been one time in my life. The only time you don't hear from God is when you don't want to. And then sometimes you still do. Because he's good. Because he loves you. I mean, he's a faithful father. He's going to tell you what you need to hear. And typically, he's going to instruct me. You know, guys, it's important for us to know the word. To know the word. To know what it says. Because right in these pages is who God is. And we're supposed to be like him. So every Sunday we come in and we get taught. And every Wednesday we come in and we get taught. We're, we're developing the divine nature. And the Spirit's going to be quick to say, God doesn't act like that. God's corrected me so many times in my life. Even times when I thought I was acting like God. You know, Paul's not the only one who ever thought that. You know, there were times we were ministering to our youth and You'd see one of the youth and you just know things aren't going well in their life and they're starting to walk away. They're starting to do that slow fade. And you're like, God, oh God, God, no. Because you love them, right? And I would say, and Eric would say, you can't stress out about this. I'm like, it's not stress, it's love. I'm, I just love them. And then one day God said, I don't ever feel like that. Oh, okay. So that's not love. Love doesn't act like that. I've been corrected so many times. I could give you a list. That's who I am today. That's how I got to where I am today. I listened. I made corrections. Course corrections. Character corrections. It takes it all to be led by the Spirit. You just got to keep listening to God and do what he says. It's like uh, Mary. Whatever he says, do it. Why? Because I want a miracle. (laughs) I want a miracle. You know, our lives being transformed are miracles. But it takes the transforming word of God obeying it. I mean, I think it starts out, being conformed starts out with living sacrifice. There we are, back at the altar again, everyone. Back to the altar. (laughs) So, that's what it's like. What's it for? Adventures in faith. Spirit-led life is for adventures in faith. You know, I was thinking about this, and... You have to be willing to do the common things with God. Jesus didn't just say, Peter, lay your hands on them and heal them. 
He said things like, stay in Jerusalem. Doesn't seem very, like, exciting. I thought this spirit-led life would be exciting. Just wait. Just do it and wait. He said to, Jesus said to one guy, put out your hand. His hand was healed. It seems pretty common, put out your hand. No, Jesus, I don't want to put out my hand. It's deformed. Everyone will see it. No. Okay. He said, let down the net. Well, that doesn't seem very exciting either. We just fished all night. But okay. Go to the other side. More work. James, it's your turn. Right? He said things like, fill the pots with water. What for? We don't want water. We want wine. Does this guy listen? Said to the lepers, go show yourself to the priest. Why would I show myself to the priest? I've got leprosy. Only people who've been cleansed from leprosy show themselves from the priest. But as they went. You have to be willing to do the common things. The things you think don't matter. How about dip seven times in the Jordan? I mean, I think we can all relate to Naaman. No, I'm not dipping seven times in the Jordan. Thank God that we have people around us who will cheer us on. Do it, do it, do it. That's who I want in my corner. I want the person that's going to say, just do it, just do it. What if it works? What if it works? My sister Natasha's like that. Me and Eric can testify. There's been so many times God said things to us and she's just like, you got to do it. No, it doesn't matter. Just go for it. And we did and got the results. You got to have those cheerleaders in your corner. If you've got someone sitting next to you saying, yeah, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. You better walk away. Walk away. They're stealing your miracle. Make new friends. How about hold up your leader's arms? What? No. Hold up our leader's arms. Why? Why? What does that have to do with winning a battle? Seemingly ridiculous. But it worked. How about march around the city for seven days? How about four? (laughs) How about something as simple as, when you pray, believe you receive? Well, that seems ridiculous. They may not seem like big things. They may not even seem reasonable. But whatever he says to do, do it. Why? It works. How many more stories do we need? It works. Hello? Can I get a witness? Joseph, does it work? It works every time. You get a word from God, it works. And guys, in the day we're living in, with the craziness that's out there, we can't afford to not be listening to the Holy Spirit. If you get an unction or an urge to not go somewhere, to not do something, well, I don't, maybe I shouldn't do that today. Or someone says, or spouse says, let's do that another day. Just do it. Do it. It's so key. It's so key. God is so good and he's trying to protect us and prosper us and and bless us. And we're acting like the little things don't matter. And they matter. They matter. They could be life and death situations. I don't say that for you to fear because, hello, we have the Holy Spirit. He's greater. The greater one. But we have to listen. We have to listen. 
I think it was pastor's message a few weeks ago. He, I think he went to Leviticus 9.6. Leviticus 9.6 says this. This is the thing the Lord commanded you to do. And the glory of the Lord will appear to you. What if you knew? What if you knew? That by shutting your mouth in that fight, the glory of the Lord would appear to you. What if you knew that not shaking your fist at that car that just cut you off and the glory of the Lord would appear? What if you knew that? This is the thing the Lord has commanded you to do and the glory of the Lord will appear to you. How about we just grab that with everything we're worth as a church and just make a decision. We're going to love like crazy. We're going to love, 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 love and expect the glory to appear. In every situation. God is love. If you're taking time to love, you're taking time for God. God can show up in that situation like that. If you decide to love. If you decide to love. Because that's who God is. God is the king of the unprecedented. You know, we're all talking about COVID and all this stuff. It's unprecedented. This has just never happened before in my lifetime. This kind of pandemic, the lockdown, the vaccinations, the corrupt politicians. Well, God is the king of unprecedented. Anybody remember the plagues of Egypt? He knows how to do what nobody knows. He knows how to do what nobody's ever thought of before. He can split a sea. And make the water stand up like a wall. This is the God we serve. But he needs a man. Who's going to raise his rod. Regardless of whether it makes any sense. Unprecedented means never before seen or heard. Guys, he's going to ask us to do the unprecedented. If we're seeing it in the world. They copy everything God does. The devil tries to copy everything God's doing. And God's better. And greater. Remember when Aaron threw down his rod? And turned into a snake. And then magicians did the same thing. We got you, Aaron. And then what did Aaron's rod do? (laughs) Ate their snakes. His snake ate their snakes. It's like nobody's bigger and better than God. You know what I mean? Nobody. Nobody. Nobody can outdo God. So we see COVID. Nobody can outdo God. You know, part of the spirit-led life is changing the way how we see things. God doesn't see like we see. So where we see challenges, trials, we really should see opportunity. It's an opportunity. Opportunities to walk in love. And if we walk in love, we make room for God. All of its opportunities. So we need a, um, what was that shift? What is it? Yeah, a paradigm shift. Yep. You need to change your perspective. Everything you come up against, start seeing as an opportunity. An opportunity to grow something in you. An opportunity for God to move. If we respond right. These are all opportunities. All of them are opportunities. People God brings across our path that are jerks need you. They need you. There's no point in us treating them like they treated us. They need you. They need what's in you. Obviously, I don't know who said it first, but anger is usually um, from hurt. People are usually are angry because they're hurting. 
and you got the goods. But if we're responding to them in like manner, we just missed our opportunity. That's why spirit-led life is so important. God's wanting to do stuff for people all the time. (laughs) But he needs a Deborah that's going to, you know, when somebody's just a jerk, she's going to say, girl, I love you. Neutralizes the whole thing right then. Right? Right, Deborah? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, increase my faith. You know, a lot of times when you go through trials and challenges and you just, you get, just keep doing what you know to do, keep doing what you know to do. It's not until you get through it that you look back and it just proves you realize your faith just went to another level. Because you proved God's faithfulness and his greatness on your behalf. You just kept doing what you knew to do and God came through for you. And all of that. You know, you can see, like, like even what Moses had to deal with. You know, we all want to be Moses. We all want to be the leader that frees the people, right? But that was hard. That was challenging day in and day out. Then he went to the people he was setting, he was going to set free and they didn't even want him. What good are you? They just made us do more work. Shut your mouth. Shut your mouth. (laughs) They didn't even want him. And he just kept doing what God told him to do. Why? Because it was an opportunity for God that would eventually impact the people. Because you got to just make it through. Where are the Moseses? Where are the Moseses? Right here. Raise your hand right here. You know, and I'll say, where are the Moses' wives? Because look, if your husband is trying to do the word of the Lord and you're dragging your feet, remember, Moses almost lost his family before he got to the promised land because his wife wouldn't comply with what God told them to do as a family. He almost lost his son over it because the wife wouldn't obey. You can't hold each other back, husbands and wives. Don't hold each other back. Get involved together and move forward in God. A dogged determination that we're going to be spiritual. We're going to exhibit the nature of God. I didn't seem convinced by y'all. We're going to, right? We're going to display the nature of God. We're going to live a spirit-led life. We're going to choose to walk in love. We're going to choose to walk in love because we want power. We want God to move on our community. We want him. We want, we require him. We require him. We need him. We need him. And he needs you. He needs you. He needs you. Take that in. He needs you. He needs you. He had Jesus, now he has you. And you have everything you need because you have the Holy Ghost. Now you've got to live empowered by him. Not choosing to live in the flesh. But choosing to live in the spirit. To let selfishness go. And to do what he wants you to do. Amen? Did I encourage you? Are you going to go do the word? Well, the spirit will confirm the word. The Bible says. So as you go out this week and you do the word, the Spirit's going to confirm it with power. He's going to confirm it with signs following. So continue to do the word. Continue to do it no matter how you feel, no matter what it feels like. And we're just going to see 
awesome things happen. Amen? Amen. Amen. Amen.